0: Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It's Friday the 11th of November 2022. Coming up on today's show we're going to be hearing from the MEP Christine Anderson again talking about what she's uh, trying to achieve in the EU as an MEP. A Rothschild, Sir Evelyn, has passed away. The nursing union of the Royal College in the UK are going to strike. Also in the UK The NHS fears it may have given over 65s a wrong vaccine for the flu. We're also going to be playing clips from GB News that include Mark Dolan, Neil Oliver and a doctor talking about how um, masks and other such things and the whole Covid thing has impacted children's speech. That and much much more coming up on today's Beyond the News. So let's begin first of all. This is Christine Anderson at a press conference talking about COVID in general, really, and her reaction to it.
1: Um, the people have been lied to. Uh, it was a gigantic lie. And uh, on this lie, everything that governments, especially in the Western democracies, did uh, to infringe on on uh, people's rights, to take away their freedom, to uh, lock them Uh, in their homes, uh, imposing curfews, all of this was based on that gigantic lie. Ursula von der Leyen, uh, EU Commission President, is now under a lot of pressure, and rightly so. The people have a right to know what went on in these contracts with her exchange of SMS with CEO Pfizer-Burla, the people need to know who they can hold responsible and accountable for whatever may have gone on behind the scenes. And things are changing now. Their house of cards is tumbling down and it is doing so rightfully. And you know what, one more thing though, um, I am sick and tired of being called a covid And I'd much rather be a COVID-idiot than being a guff idiot. Because that's what all these people blindly (laughs) trust. Because that's what all these people that blindly trusted their governments turned out to be. And I will say it again, it was never, never, ever about public health. It was never about breaking any waves. It was always about breaking people. But, and that's the good news, they failed. It didn't work. And that I am very proud of, and I'm proud of the people that I am so honored to be allowed to represent and i will continue to do just that thank you very much
0: so that was a very interesting press conference quite busy and it looks like she's moved from we were right to these people were wrong to consequences for the people that happen. were wrong yeah. and they're now going to listen to tucker carlson this is a both these videos are being played off of Facebook, I own no copyright on any of them, everything I use is public source, if there's a problem you can contact me beyond the news at ProtonMail.com. Here's Tucker talking about this week's midterm elections in the United States.
2: Is ...midterm elections, well we wish we could tell you with some precision that's our job, but we can't because in a number of key races around the country we still don't have a vote total. In Arizona, for example, there is no declared winner in the Senate race or in the Governor's race. At this point, it seems likely that both Kerry Lake and Blake Masters will win. We'll be speaking to Kerry Lake in just a minute about that. But according to news reports, the official results may not be in for more than a month. A month! Officials in Arizona told CNBC today that they are, quote, prepared to work through Thanksgiving and possibly Christmas as well. That means results by New Year's in a race that was held in early November. That seems late. How late is it? Well, by comparison, the results of the 1862 midterm elections, which were tabulated by candlelight without machines or even electricity in the middle of a raging civil war, were clear before the end of the week. That was the entire country. Arizona is a single state, which, by the way, is a fraction of the size of Florida, which, as you may have noticed, counted its votes in less than a day. So did Brazil, an entire country. That seems embarrassing, if not like a full-blown emergency. Counting the votes isn't some added extra you get for government. They have a surplus, like fighting climate change or bringing equity, counting the votes is a core function of government. Along with law enforcement, maintaining the roads, keeping the border secure, efficient elections are the reason you pay taxes. But Arizona doesn't seem to have them. Why is that? Don't ask, commands CNN. If you've got questions about this or any other election, no unauthorized questions. Instead, watch CNN. Or if you don't have cable, simply trust your local officials. You see, that's our first votes, and that's the wonder of democracy. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, and I wanted to point that out to be a little bit of the crank in the room following Brianna there.
0: So he's just gone on to uh, CNN there. That's where I'll uh, I'll leave that. You can um, I won't have the clip for that uh, unfortunately because uh, I don't have the f- Facebooks don't come with links unfortunately. But yeah, you can go and probably look on to uh, Fox News Tucker Carlson to see the whole clip there for yourself. It's about twenty minutes long. I'll be moving on though. So, this is now from Sky News, and it is Friday the 4th of November. 14 hour days with no break and no bathroom. Amazon founder Jeff Bees are sued by his former housekeeper. Among the allegations made by Mercedes Werdar is that she sometimes had to climb out of the laundry room to access a bathroom. A former housekeeper of farmers and founder Jeff Bezos alleges she and other employees were made to work in unsafe and unsanitary conditions, including having to climb out of a laundry room window to access a bathroom. Mercedes Wedo is suing Mr Bezos and two companies that allegedly manage his properties in a lawsuit filed in Seattle this week. She was hired in 2019 for a housekeeping role that required her to work around a family without being seen, according to the complaint. Some of her shifts were as long as 14 hours without breaks, during which time there was no reasonable accessible bathroom for the housekeepers, the lawsuit alleges. When the Bezos family was at home, the housekeepers were only allowed to enter the house to clean, meaning they could not use the laundry door to access a bathroom directly, as it led only to the residents instead they would sometimes have to climb out of the laundry room window onto a path that led to a mechanical room and downstairs to a bathroom a situation that was in place for around 18 months mess wedder claims the complaint said that due to the lack of easily accessible bathrooms she and other housekeepers spent large parts of their day unable to use the toilet resulting in frequent urinary tract infections. Among other claims were there was no room for the housekeepers to rest. Housekeepers sometimes ate their meals in a laundry room. The Hispanic Hispanic employees faced discrimination because of their race. She complained to bosses about undocumented workers being brought in on a contract basis. Lack of rest breaks and unsafe working conditions. As a result of her complaint she was demoted despite never having having been disciplined over job performance. She was wrongfully dismissed, told that she appeared unhappy and this was having a negative effect on the team. So what they needed was a union. Didn't someone organise a union for Amazon, at least in their warehouses? I remember playing a clip of that, but obviously not for the people that work for him personally. And speaking of unions here, Nursing Union, the Royal College of Nursing announces first strike in its 106 year history. The RCN had called for its members to receive a pay rise of 5% above RPI inflation rate, which currently stands at above 12%. This is by Sophie Morris on Wednesday, the 9th of November. A nursing union representing hundreds of thousands of nurses has voted to hold the first nationwide strike in its 106 year history. The Royal College of Nursing said the strike will affect the majority of NHS employers in the UK as nurses take action against pay levels and patient safety concerns. The union said that many hospitals in England would see strike action but others narrowly narrowly missed the legal turnout thresholds required for action. All NHS employers in Northern Ireland and Scotland would be included and all bar one in Wales met the threshold, they added. RCN General Secretary and Chief Executive Pat Cullen said, anger has become action. Our members are saying enough is enough. The voice of nursing in the UK is strong and I will make sure it is heard. Our members will no longer tolerate a financial knife edge at home and a raw deal at work. Ministers must look in the mirror and ask how long they will put nursing staff through this. We will plan our strike action. Next week's budgets is the UK's government's opportunity to signal a new direction with serious investment. Across the country politicians have the power to stop this now and at any point. This action will be as much for patients as it is for nurses. Standards are falling too low and we will have strong public backing for our campaign to raise them. This winter we are asking the public to show nursing staff who are with us. Oh, sorry, uh, asking the public to show nursing staff you are with us. The union had urged more than 300,000 of its members to vote for industrial action over pay in the first statutory ballot on industrial action across the UK in the 106-year history of the RCN. This is from The Independent now. Uh, At least it will be if I can get through all the cookie stuff. Right. This is Three Days Ago by Luke O'Reilly. British financier Sir Evelyn de Rothschild dies aged 91. He served as the chief executive and chairman of the bank N.M. Rothschild & Sons Limited between 1976 and 2003 and was also a chairman of The Economist. British financier Sir Evelyn de Rothschild has died at the age of... so I'll leave that there. Um, It said he died peacefully at home. On to the Daily Mail now, so which means we can play the comment game at the end. This is by Sophie Huskisson and the date is 8th of November. NHS flu jab blunder fears. Over 65s may have been given wrong vaccine as health chiefs investigate potential serious incident. A small number of people are affected by the mishap, according to officials. They have mistakenly been given a standard egg culture influenza vaccine. Although safe, the jab is less effective than the one they were meant to get, everyone affected will be given up an opportunity to get another type of vaccine. So NHS England is investigating a, uh, repeats itself there, NHSC said everyone affected will be contacted and given an opportunity to get another type of vaccine if they want, but assured there is no clinical risk to the QIVE vaccine that it still provides some protection. Uh, they have delivered 15 million flu vaccines in total to the over 65s and other priority groups. So let's scroll down to see the comment section and invariably get replaced by more and more adverts. So I continue to scroll down. Right, the comments below have not been moderated. Right, best rated. Up 2674, down 125. Yet another vaccine problem. My wife had blood clots on her heart and a heart attack after her AstraZeneca COVID jab. She will never recover properly and is on lifelong treatment now and is constantly in and out of hospital. It's time the NHS checked vaccines properly before injecting people with them. And the next one down. Up one nine o two down 66. The NHS never stops effing up and the, I would just like to add a comment under there. Might be easier to not f up constantly if they were properly staffed and you know given a decent wage for their morale wasn't rock bottom but just that's just my comment and his comment there. Up 1325, down 205. Did you know flu vaccines increase your risk of upper respiratory diseases like COVID by over 440%? Flu shots in pregnancy can increase risk of miscarriage and spontaneous abortion by over 1100%. The only ones getting immunity is the trillion dollar liability free pharma corporations. Yep, I'm reading out a comment. I have no idea where those numbers come from, Um, but this is what it's all about on the show. You can go and look it up for yourself. So um, his comments can't, those numbers don't ring a bell with um, with me so I can't comment upon his comments. Do your own research to see if he's pulled those numbers out of thin air or not. UK scientists created mutant Covid strains in high risk, low benefit lab experiments. Sage linked team comes under fire amid calls for more regulation over controversial gain of function research. So we've covered the controversial gain of research in the United States uh, It seems that they're at it here in the UK as well according to the uh, Daily Mail written by John Eli and this is 28th of October Hamsters were infected with mutant viruses, blends of original Wuhan strain and parts of Omicron or Delta. Critics of the lab experiments carried out by Imperial College London earlier this year called it insanity. Twenty scientists were involved in the project, including one who sits on the government advisory panel, SAGE. But the university insists the study, part funded by the taxpayer, followed UK regulations and was entirely safe. Our revelation comes amid ongoing furore over similar COVID experiments in the US at Boston University. British scientists intentionally created hybrid COVID strains in risky experiments judged to be like playing with fire, male or lion can reveal. hamsters were infected with mutant virus. Just repeats that. Let's move on. But the university insists... Uh, no, still, let's just still continue to move on. Critics say... This combined the high lethality of the ancestral SARS-CoV-2 version with, which triggered the pandemic in early 2020 with the extreme transmissibility of the milder Omicron strain. Omicron is said to be just contagious as measles, although the claim is disputed. The hybrid virus they created killed 80% of the infected mice. Ah, well, we best hope it was completely safe because you don't want something which kills 80%. I mean, mice, not humans, We shall see if it transfers. You don't want an 80% kill rate which highly transmissible, um, which is probably why best not create one in the first place, but um, it's done now, isn't it? It vehemently denied the experiments could be considered gain-of-function, a controversial field of science that sees virologists intentionally manipulate pathogens to make them more infectious and deadly to prepare for future pandemics, allowing them to develop vaccines and therapies in case diseases naturally evolve to become more dangerous. Yes, I think also that gain-of-function. Have a look at the work of... was it Professor Boyle? I've played clips of him on the show a year ago. He claims to have written the laws on making gain of function research um, and international crime. So he's got degrees in law as well as I don't know what would you call it, virology type stuff. And so he was the perfect man to do it. So go and look at his claims and go and look. Uh, his claims that all of this could be well gain-of-function research is illegal and they claim that this isn't gain-of-function research but then go and look at the definition of what gain-of-function is and make up your own mind. So let's go scroll down to the comment section and see what the Daily Mail readers have made of this particular experiment. Right so the comments below have not been moderated. Up 553 five, down 8. These mad scientists need to be locked up. Next time it won't be a mild version of some disease that escapes. It will be something truly deadly. Yeah. A trial before locking up, I think, so it's fair to say. Up, but you go, that's why you should go and look at the laws of Francis Boyle. I'm not a lawyer, so go and look it up. Have these people broken the laws that he's written for international law? Are the countries signed up to that international law? Have they broken it? Or should there be a trial? I don't have the answers for you. Go and look at um yeah uh, Boyle, I think his first name is Francis, but if you go in look at um if you put into a search engine, Boyle wrote United Nations bioweapons laws. I reckon that would be a good place to start. So, up 451, down 4. This is how we got in the COVID mess in the first place. Cowboy idiots playing God without our consent. So it looks like the Daily Mail readers are lab people, not naturally evolved bat soup people now, or the vast majority of them. Or at least, what would that be, over 99%? 451? Up, down 99 percent seem to think it's a uh, lab jobby now. Up three six six down thirteen. First bioweapon created in Wuhan with USA funding in order to get the real danger in brackets, the jib jab into people. To be experimenting with variants, especially in a bio three lab is downright dangerous. The world has been playing the world has been played for fools for a lot, going along for the last two and a half years, time to wake up. Let's move on now to another. Oh, it's another Daily Mail one. Got quite a lot of Daily Mail articles here, but they're the only ones that seem to be covering this sort of stuff. So, and the other people, just, I suppose, uh, there seems to be like a synergy coming together of people calling right wing and people calling conspiracy types. Um, back in the day, it used to be uh, the conspiracy types were all, you know, anti-Iraq war so they were called you know left back then because they were criticizing George Bush and all that kind of stuff Uh, but now it seems to be more left-leaning governments will just say anyone that disagrees with us is a right-winger anyone that disagrees with us is a conspiracy theorist and I'm talking in purely in generalities of things that I start to see in that synergy come together and oh look right-wing conspiracy theorist. So I would like to see some left-wing media cover this type stuff because, you know, well it's interesting, I like the mail because you can read the comments, but I would like to see the left-wing covering real news like this that doesn't seem to paint governments and scientists in a good light but the left media doesn't seem to do it as much as the Daily Mail so here I am reading out several Daily Mail articles in a row for you even though I'm you know not on the left or the right. US House members probe NIH over risky virus research after government scientists tried to create monkeypox strain that's a thousand times more deadly. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Three leading Republicans are calling to probe NIH monkeypox experiments. Again, where are the Democrats calling for this? Because I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't think creating a monkeypox strain that's a thousand times more deadly is a vote winner, really. If you were to come up onto a... Right, okay, we're worried about oil, we're worried about energy prices, worried about oil with Russia. What platform are you standing on? Well, I'm going to make certain that money that we really need, because I know that we're all going through difficult times right now, I promise if you elect me, it won't be spent on schools, hospitals, children, anything like that. I promise that if you elect me, I'll make certain it goes to creating a strain of monkeypox that's a thousand times more deadly. Don't forget to vote for me on Tuesday. You see, it doesn't come in that form, does it? And so that's why we need journalists to hold them to account to say, isn't there, you know, even if it was creating a monkeypox strain that's a thousand times less deadly, could you not spend the money on feeding and clothing the homeless and the poor. Oh, it's a thousand times more deadly. Oh, oh, that's all right then. No, researchers plan to swap genes between monkeypox strains and infect mice. Some fear the strain would be thousand times as deadly as the one circulating. It comes as the Biden admin promises to crack down on this type of research. Well, that's good, some left-wing politicians. But let's see if they actually do it. House Republicans are probing monkeypox research being carried out by uh, just rereading the bullet points at the top now. In a letter published Tuesday, Re- Representatives Kathy McMorris Rogers of Washington Rep- Representative Brett. Guthrie of Kentucky and Representative Morgan Griffith of Virginia said they want researchers to prove there is a practical application of their findings that would make the risks worth it. They have set out 12 questions they want the researchers to answer. I wonder if they've got the 12 quick Oh, we've got it here. All proposals and progress reports discussing the Claude 1 monkey pie virus. Um, it's a lot of government stuff. So, for example, I'll read out one of them for you any correspondence related to whether the clade 1 study should be referred to p3co review okay so yeah probably doesn't mean a great deal to us who aren't in congress and all that kind of stuff so let's uh, scroll down to the comments again now via the ever popping up adverts best rated up 534 down two. I think most of us realise what the end game is. It's an interesting one. Up 437, down 1. These places need to be shut down and the people playing like this need to be jailed. Um, I would just add trial before jail because it's a legal requirement and then secondly it can all come out exactly what they're doing. I wonder if they'll Johnny Depp it um, and put it all over the news or whether they'll be. A Gillane Maxwell type trial where it's not with the cameras at all. Up 424, down 2 with taxpayers' money. Wow. Okie dokie. Next again from the mail. Ministers war game emergency plans to cope with week-long blackouts. Whitehall documents warn food and water supplies, transport and communications could be disrupted for seven days in a national power outage amid fears of water energy shortage. Ministers of war gamed emergency plans to cope with week-long blackouts this winter. Documents warn food and water supplies and communications could be disrupted in the event of outages. Whitehall officials are stress testing programme Yarrow, the secret plan to cope with blackouts. Plans were drawn up last year before Vladimir Putin launched his barbaric invasion of Ukraine, but fears are growing that Russian aggression in the region could spark an energy security crisis. Well, that's that's handy that they did it just beforehand. It reminds me of Event Two O One, where they planned for the a breakout of a SARS respiratory-type virus worldwide a couple of months before it happened. Ministers have wargamed emergency plans to cope with week-long blackouts this winter. It has emerged. Government documents marked official-sensitive warned that food and water supplies, transport and communications could all be severely disrupted for up to seven days in a reasonable worst-case scenario in the event of a national power outage. Whitehall officials are stress-testing programming Reading the bullet points again. The cross-government plan was first drawn up last year. It's just rereading it now. Uh, The plans envisage that 60% of electricity demand will be met between day two and day seven when households and businesses will be given intermittent access to ration supply. Households and businesses will be given 24 hours notice of a planned outage and the plan could be published up to a week ahead on a rolling basis. Uh, The rotor disconnection plan is designed to cut power evenly across the country according to documents seen by the Guardian. The power cut should initially only take place once a day for three hours although it could take up to an hour to reconnect after that although the frequency of cuts will depend on the severity of the crisis. Yeah, if you were trying to get all the electricity companies together and say look we're going to need you to make less money because as as a result of what we're doing you'd have to sweeten the deal first wouldn't you and say Before we do this, you could double your prices. I mean, I'm just theorising here and just putting things out on how you would, in a real world scenario, go to people. Yeah, we're going to start to want you to give less electricity to the British people, but we'll make less money. Well, we have a plan for that, but we'll put it all in place before the blackouts begin. Don't worry. Just a little thought that went through my head. Um, I'm not even saying... uh, that it's a belief. Just thought bubbles leaving the brain via a um, microphone into cyberspace. So, now let's go to some more videos here and this is going to be a clip I believe of Neil Oliver. We're going to be playing a few clips all in a row from GB News. This is Neil Oliver and the video is The Green Agenda We're Being Sold is Absolutely Not Green. So let's have a listen to it.
3: November 1984 and then the stadium events in Wembley and Philadelphia in the summer of 85. BBC journalist Michael Burke had reported on a biblical famine in Ethiopia, harrowing coverage that went viral even in the years before social media. In response, musicians Bob Geldof and Ure collaborated on both the single and the concerts, viewed by nearly 2 billion people in 150 countries, and a fundraising legend was born. Feed the World was the chorus of the single. Let them know it's Christmas time. Feed the World... And in our world of plenty, they sang, we can spread a smile of joy, throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. It's not Christmas time yet, of course, but winter is coming. Both of those aid efforts raised fortunes from a public moved to help the ghostly shadows of fellow human beings they were shown dying before their eyes. To this day, there's debate about how much live aid changed or improved things in Ethiopia how much food got into the mouths of the starving and how much money was diverted into the coffers of the Euro- Ethiopian government that had deliberately worsened the impact of the famine. The media concentrated on a simple story of drought killing crops year after year causing famine. In fact, while natural forces were at play, the worst of the harm to humanity was caused not by nature but by the inhumanity of corrupt politicians Deliberately and calculatedly denying food to that part of their own population they regarded as their enemy in a savage civil war. There's no denying, however, that as far as most of the watching billions were concerned, what mattered was getting food to people in desperate need. They were shown pictures of people starving to death in the present, right there and then, and put their hands in their pockets in hopes of helping before it was too late. It was all about rescuing fellow human beings sharing the same planet in the same moment. Media, pop stars and scores of other celebs backed by a generous, well-meaning public all united to try and feed the world. Revered economist Amartya Sen has described how people end up starving en masse, not on account of natural disasters, but because governments and other bad actors see to it that they are denied food. Quote, starvation is the characteristic of some people not getting enough food to eat. It is not the characteristic of there not being enough food to eat. Fast forward nearly 40 years after Live Aid and have a look at what the media and much of the rest of the mainstream are calling for now. The Green Agenda, Agenda 2030, Net Zero, and the rest of a hellish potpourri of policies guaranteed to condemn hundreds of millions to death by poverty, death by starvation misery for want of the means ever to make their lives better half a lifetime after live aid and earnest hopes of throwing arms around the world the new clarion call is to snuff out the lights here in the west to usher in the cold where there has been warmth and to see to it that the achievement of the industrial revolution and centuries of ingenuity that conspired to lift billions of people around the world out of poverty are dismantled and unwound upon the altar of the new religion of saving the planet of tomorrow prioritising that as yet non-existent world over the here and now, millions upon millions of those living today, perhaps billions in the end, are to be sacrificed as though they don't exist. Any last vestige of camouflage preventing us perceiving the true nature of the messiahs of the green agenda is falling away day by day. Celebrity truant Greta Thunberg's latest proclamation is that it's time to transform the West's oppressive and racist capitalist system, She means overthrow it, thereby laying bare, at last, the motivation of her handlers. And it has nothing to do with ensuring the future for generations to come. It's about gifting the planet to the few right now. Orwell said about the communists of his day that they don't give a damn about the poor, they just hate the rich. By the rich, Orwell meant the titled and entitled rich. By now, the shadows behind Thunberg are the super-rich, the ultra-rich, And those richest of the rich loathe and wish to see utterly destroyed by their cynical reworking of communism, the uppity middling sort, those with the temerity to seek to own their own homes, to own their own businesses, indeed to own much of anything at all, bar a smartphone with a digital ID built in alongside a wallet for programmable food tokens, don't overlook either the fact that the sock puppets of Just Stop Oil are financed in part by millions of dollars from the granddaughter of oil tycoon J. Paul Getty. The decadent, self-indulgent, hypocritical virtue signalling is enough to make a billy goat lose his lunch. Where Live Aid called for help for those alive now, if only barely living, now the latest righteous insist those clinging by their fingertips to the outside edge of existence don't matter and must be ignored, cast aside as collateral damage. Who cares about the inconvenient living when there's a fantasy future to sell to the gullible? Where the great and the good and the media once sought to save those at death's door, now they back policies guaranteed to hustle the huddled masses through that exit with a swift kick to their bony backsides. What we're witnessing is an unholy inversion of the human and humane urge to offer help to fellow travellers along a road that's already too hard for billions. Upon that road, we have lost our way. At the same time, our humanity, what makes us human, is being readied for consignment to the dustbin of history. Why have messy, maddening humans when you can have the product of binary code that does what it's told? Estimates of the death toll for the Ethiopian famine of the mid-1980s ranged from 300,000 to 1.2 million. Millions more were displaced, made refugees. Some of the same characters who campaigned to help those poor back then In league now with their 21st century successors have linked arms in support of ruinous policies that might mean the death sentence not for one million people in one country but for hundreds of millions in all manner of countries around the world in the years ahead if you were going to set out deliberately to ensure the poorest people in the world's poorest countries were kept in murderous poverty or newly cast into that hell then you would deny them access to cheap energy while simultaneously undermining the ability of the developed world to produce and distribute the food surplus that might keep them alive in the meantime, those are precisely and unavoidably the consequences of net zero and the rest of the nonsense that will be preached at COP27, as well as day after day by politicians of all stripes and a consistently complicit media. Having carefully and forensically rubbished the history of the West rewriting our heritage and cultural inheritance until the efforts of our predecessors are made a litany only of evil, cruelty and greed, fit for nothing but tearing down and forgetting, and persuading too many that the present is as flawed and shameful as that past, if not more so. Those latest self-appointed saviours of the world are busy selling their insane and utterly, utterly unachievable vision of the future. The road to that halcyon future populated by its green living, fake meat and insect eating docile compliant and perpetually spied upon citizens is to be laid upon the corpses of the inconvenient here and now real life poor all the messy millions of them all those souls in want right now of accessible reliable energy that might power them towards the sort of lives we have enjoyed here in desperate need of abundant food of the sort that has for generations been available to us thanks to the enterprise invention and sheer hard work of clever farmers raising livestock and crops with the help of skills and wisdom learned over millennia, all are to be dismissed to oblivion so the ideologues of the WEF, the WHO, the UN, the prophets of Agenda 2030 and Net Zero can realise their fantasies of control. Feed the world, remember? And in our world of plenty, we can spread a smile of joy, throw your arms around the world. Not now. We won't. Not any time soon, and maybe never again. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are usually pictured together, and for a reason. Where there's a famine, there will soon be disease, and then war, and always, always death. During times of hunger, most of the dying is caused by the opportunistic diseases lying in wait, Chaos soon reigns and war is invariably the consequence as factions fight to seize or to maintain control. The shadow of the floor will loom yet again over hundreds of millions of the world's poorest and most desperate people. And in the West, shivering in our homes, wondering for the first time in generations what sort of food we will have to eat, how we will heat our homes, won't be throwing our arms around anyone except ourselves for warmth. Feed the world? I don't think so. Another ghost from the past is worth a second look now. In 2006, Al Gore launched his film An Inconvenient Truth about the imminent end of civilization due to man-made global warming. The real inconvenient truth is that Gore's predictions from a movie that netted $50 million at the box office have not come to pass. The Prophet of Doom, now worth $300 million, who said we could all help save the world by changing our lifestyles has a $2.5 million home in Nashville with an annual energy bill of $30,000. It's worth wondering how often he sits inside and notes that while he said the ice caps would be gone by now, they've grown in size. Or how often he remembers that while he said the polar bears would drown, their numbers have risen steadily for the last 15 years. The man who said Manhattan would be underwater on account of rising sea levels just bought a $9 million dollar villa on the coast of California. Always remember this. The green agenda we're being sold is absolutely not green, requiring as it does the unprecedented mining of hitherto unimagined amounts of base and rare earth metals, also rare minerals. All of that effort dependent upon fossil fuels, the never-ending rate of the world we're supposed to be saving. The International Energy Agency predicts it will be 2207 at the earliest before fossil fuels are set aside. In the US, the Biden administration predicts that even if all governments keep their promises, CO2 eradication cannot occur before 2242, more than 200 years from now. There's food aplenty in this world, there's energy aplenty, but we are to be denied both by yet more of those corrupt politicians. Here's the thing, it's the people alive today Here at home and around the world, the poorest included, who deserve life, a better life. They deserve a future that we could give them now. Who with a human heart would sacrifice today's living for nothing more than a fantasy spun from lies? Not me.
0: So go and check out what he says there for yourself if there's anything that uh, you didn't know or don't believe. More than three hundred thousand sign up for scheme which pays households to cut energy at peak hours to help stave off blackouts. Octopus Energy said three hundred and twenty thousand of its customers had signed up to Saving Session Scheme on Tuesday. It falls under Demand Flexibility Service Scheme run by National Grids Electricity Schemes sorry, Systems Operator, ESO. British Gas British Gas has also signed up for a five-month scheme, which will run from November until March 31st next year. ESO is paying up to £3 per unit, kilowatt hour saved, meaning a maximum of £240 per household over five months. However, the amount that will be passed on to consumers will be decided by each energy firm taking part. As by Lawrence Dollymore. So, it's just repeating itself there. Octopus, however, said it expects around one to two sessions per week, or 25 in total, with consumers earning up to £100. It said rewards will be paid as Octopoints, which can be redeemed as credit in pounds. Bulb, So Energy and Utility Warehouse will not be taking part in the scheme, reports MoneysavingExpert.com, while Eon, Eon Next, and EDF will be, but are unable to provide further details as yet. In a bid to take stress off the electricity grid, households taking part in the ESO run scheme could receive payments of up to £20 a day if they don't use washing machines, tumble dryers, dishwashers or even games consoles between 4pm and 7pm. So let's scroll down now to see the comments section from the mail. We found it but the adverts have decided to catch up. Oh, we found it again. Oh, they're staying there. Excellent. Right, so up 202, down 17. Is this another move to get everyone onto smart smart meters? The take-up was poor before the energy crisis, but now the energy companies are pushing it with the prospect of money off your bills or credits. People need to understand that once you have a smart meter, there is no going back, and once installed, they have the ability to change the kilowatt cost at the flick of a switch. So... I don't uh, have a comment on that one and that's more of a a question really that he's asking there. Right and the next one is up 152 down 15 lemmings being fooled into a smart meter. Right the next one unfortunately so the first two comments on that are both about smart meters that's interesting. Unfortunately I really can't see how we could use less electricity and gas than we currently do so this scheme would be pointless for us if one has to show a decrease in previous use, and that's up one three, three, down sixteen. Next again from the mail, at least we get a comment section with it, but you know, like I said, I'm not a right wing person. I'm just I cover everything from all sort of spectrums of left and right, but there seems to be quite a bit uh, from the mail today. Exclusive. Why is a company controlled by a Tory donor funnelling cash to backbench MPs? Telecom's firm facing questions after it donated £31,500 to 11 Tory MPs over 20 days. So 11 Conservative Party MPs declared a total of 31,000 worth of donations. All of them came from broadband company IX Wireless Limited in Preston. IX is controlled by another firm where Tory peer James Wharton is director money went to MPs including Andrea Jenkins and James Daly's campaign funds. None of the politicians or the company would explain why the donations were made. That's by Dan Sales on the 17th of August of 2021. So this is last year, something that just uh, only now caught my attention. So um, a controversial telecommunications firm with only one employee. Has paid eleven Conservative Party MPs a total of thirty-one thousand five hundred in just twenty days. Yeah, that just that sentence just sort of has red flags about it, doesn't it, really? Four band company IX Wireless Limited, which is based in Preston Lanks, has donated money to politicians, campaigns, and groups linked to them. Uh, the MPs range from one Prime Minister's Trade envoy to a member of the Public Accounts Committee. Uh, it's, uh, IX Wireless is controlled by a company called Cohiba Communications Limited which holds at least a, tw- a 75% stake. One of Cohiba's directors is Tory peer James Wharton. Most of the MPs are based in the northwest of the country and all declared the donations between June the 6th and July 19th this year. Seven of their constituencies are geographically near to where the firm has its networks. Labour Party Chair and Shadow Chancellor Annalise Dodds question the decision to pay these specific MPs and why. So let's scroll down to see what the traditionally right wing Daily Mail makes of a right wing or traditionally right wing Conservative Party and uh, and what happens there. So up five two two down twenty seven, another day Another Tory sleaze story. Yeah, so there you go. So they the Daily Mail readers might be traditionally right, but it doesn't seem that they're or at least the ones commenting on that are traditionally Tory anymore, that sounds a bit. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're going to go to Keir Starmer either, and I've been saying that for a while. It is inevitable that I think the roots of the parties take back to the grass baker yeah the grass but ba- the, the base of the party the grassroots pull the party back to where it was originally meant to be i think for i think you're going to see some sort of effort of that over both parties in the uk and if that fails uh, a new party may emerge but this that's like a you know 10 to 20 year process there i think just it, it's inevitable after a you know general disillusionment with both parties i think so up 436, down 28. If you vote for a Tory, don't see, be surprised when they line their own pockets with our money. In f- fairness to that comment, that was, uh, and I'm not saying there aren't other schemes that that could potentially occur, but in this particular case, that seems to be, it doesn't seem to be, when he says our money, if you're referring to public money, this doesn't seem to be referring to public money. So just thought I'd make that distinction there. Up 411, down 10. I get nervous when the Daily Mail tells the truth. What's the agenda? <laughs> oh, and the, um, the, his name there is The Daily Mail is Filth. <laughs> that's his, uh, that's his name there. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Right. From the Telegraph now. So, I won't be reading it. Oh, Usually behind a paywall, but uh, I've just no, doesn't seem to be. And this is by Sarah Napton, thirty first of October. Universities still carry out outdated COVID vaccine mandate healthcare courses. The requirement, drawn sorry, the requirement withdrawn in March, could deter prospective students from signing up. Oh, I've just got to close an advert. During a severe NHS staffing shortage, a study found. Uh, by Sarah Napton. Universities are still requesting that student nurses be fully vaccinated against COVID, despite the government abandoning the requirement for health workers in March it has emerged at least 10 universities are imposing the mandate on their web pages where applicants can find more information about the courses an investigation by Nigel Farage on GB News found the website of Liverpool John Moores University even tells the prospective students it is illegal to work in an NHS setting without confirmation of Covid vaccination status. The universities and colleges of mission services UCAS also states on its website that further education candidates must have the COVID jab as part of the entry requirements. Prospective students applying via UCAS are greeted with the message you should be aware that 1st of April 2020 all NHS and social care personnel including students will be required to have completed an approved course of vaccinations against COVID-19 before they can be deployed in roles that involve face-to-face contact with patients ser- slash service users alternative program if you are unable or unwilling to be vaccinated at this time and cannot satisfy our placement providers that you are medically exempt you will not be able to provide you sorry we will not be able to provide you with practice placements necessary to complete your health and social care degree if this is the case you may wish to look up an alternative program or career path so what hap- what would happen to those people that you know, had spent years on the program, They'd whatever, how many years it is doing, whatever it is they're doing, and then one year away from it, they don't want to get the vaccine and told that they have to. And what would happen in that circumstance, because there would be some sort of legal action, of course, you'd need, you know, the money to be able to do it, but you'd be able to say, you're not letting me complete the last year of my training as a result of something that you're saying that is law that is not. And usually when that is the case, and, people have invested all you know x y and z into that training to be able to not complete it as a result of someone saying that something that isn't factually correct and claiming to be something law when it isn't is subject to some kind of lawsuit so we shall see what happens and we'll keep you abreast of that but of course what struggling you know teenage nurse in training is going to have the legal knowledge to do that and the money to do that we shall see but it is interesting isn't it they couldn't get enough of them to be able to you know get the mandate through in the NHS with the existing staff so it looks like future years down the line 10, 20, 30 years time the only people that will be in that industry are ones that have already passed the compliance test and so there may not be a fuss they've tried to do something in 20 or 30 years time because the only people in that will have already said, what uh, you're telling me I have to get a vaccination and telling me it's law even though that it's not. Alright then I'll comply. Those are the only types of people that are going to be in that industry if this continues unabated. Next one now is from Wales online uh, and they call it Cum online is that Welsh for Welsh? I don't know. This is by Neil Shaw 28th of October and 15 year old girl died suddenly from Covid complication on day her vaccine was due. Consultant paediatric pathologist Samantha Holden gave a cause of death of acute myocarditis associated with Covid-19 and uh, the headline has been amended to make clear that Georgia Holiday had not yet received her vaccine on the day that she fell ill. We are happy to clarify this. A 15 year old girl died deteriorating astonishingly quickly after suffering a rare inflammation of the heart linked to COVID 19, an inquest has heard. Talented kickboxer Georgia. Halliday from Portsmouth, Hampshire died at the Queen Alexandra Hospital on September 28, 2021 after being referred as an emergency by a GP after her heart began beating fast and she struggled to keep food down. Her mother, Tracy Halliday, had previously said that Georgia died on the day that she was due to have her COVID-19 vaccine. She told the Portsmouth inquest that Georgia first started to feel unwell in the early hours of September the 24th and tested positive that day. Georgia had a telephone appointment on September the 27th with the GP who prescribed her antibiotics for a sore throat because she had a history of tonsillitis and gave her advice on tre- treating COVID-19 symptoms. Miss Halliday said that by 20, September 28th, Georgia's condition worsened as she kept vomiting. She was given a further appointment at the GP's. So... I would be interested to know. It sounds like initially, this is just purely my take from reading the amendments and all that kind of stuff. It looks like they wanted to clarify, it looks like when they first put the article out that she died after having the vaccine, and then they wanted to re clarify it to say actually she hadn't had the vaccine yet. My question ha- is had she had any of these COVID jabs? Um, was this, you know, her second or third booster that she was due to have that the headline was amended to make clear that she hadn't had yet or had she never had any of them at all? So that's a question that I still have but I'm more than happy to read out the amended headline because that's what I do here. Uh, I'm just going to see if scroll down I want to do it quickly. I'll be aware of dead air. I cannot see an answer to my question whether she had had one at all. Um, so it would have been September 2021. So I honestly do not know. Anyway, uh, it's still a tragedy, and sympathies go out to all the family involved in what well, must be a very difficult time for them. Now then. From the Mail Online here, gamblers will need to take a selfie to prove they are old enough to play fruit machines. and new betting crackdown. Oh, is this going to be facial recognition software for gamblers? Selfies with age estimation technology will see if customers are over 18. The machines will be able to stop playing. Um, If they are deemed too young, more than a quarter of school children have admitted betting on fruit machines. Yoti, the firm behind the software, says estimates are 99.65% accurate. Fruit machine players will now need to take a selfie to prove they are over 18 in a crackdown on underage gambling. Facial, eh, See, this has the potential, I'm not saying it will be used, but it has the potential for all that data to be mined by other companies to say, We're not going to give you a loan, sir. We can see that you've got a gambling addiction. I don't have a gambling addiction. Oh, well, here's your facial recognition software on loads of different fruit machines over the last few days. Oh, well, that's not really an addiction. Well, our insurance company um, deems, you know, more than one use a year as an addiction. Sorry, we're, you know, we're we're not uh, covered by our insurance company to give you that loan anymore. That's one potential use, potential use two. This is deemed as an unnecessary luxury playing on a fruit machine and in today's dystopian world I'm just putting forward visions, I'm not saying this is now, anything in today's dystopian world you've already had your one luxury this month so you are not permitted to use the machine anymore. If you want more than one luxury per month you need to update your social credit score and to do that you're going to need to take down the posts from Christine Anderson MEP on Facebook because they are deemed socially unacceptable. Our (laughs) independent Facebook checkers (laughs) have rated her as uh, not someone to listen to, you listen to, so therefore you're not allowed to use the fruit machine now because you don't have enough credit passes with the social credit score, you bad, bad citizen. Just that's where my mind goes for its potential I hope that both those scenarios I just said never ever come to pass um, and if they did they'll probably be gambling with digital currency or, or again you know <laughs> third scenario your digital currency is not cleared to use this device it must only be spent on food or that, that and the other so this uh, this government universal income is not Um, you're not allowed to use it on this device even if you do pass the facial recognition software and you are over 18. So a camera in the machine will take a photo of the customer's face before they are allowed to play. Within two seconds an algorithm will determine their age to within 18 months and stop them from playing if it decides they look too young. So let's have a little look now down at the comment section here and uh, they have not been moderated. Best rated up three four four down seven. So why is this? So why is this facial age estimation technology not available at our migrant centres to stop grown men posing as children? Well, good good question. Uh, you can tell it's a Daily Mail comments thing. My thoughts on that. So up two one two down five. Biometric control slipping into our world. I disagree with support for it anywhere for any reason. Nothing wrong with good old-fashioned ID. Uh, I'm all for that um, sentiment, but good old-fashioned ID—it um, it can't really be in a big, uh, you know, an arcade or something like that. Kids are going to slip in for the fruities, aren't they? They always have done. No, up 161, down three. How long will it be before the data is sold on to banks and insurance companies? There you go. That was the sort of thing that I was getting at. Next article now. Call for probe into trust phone hack claims. This is by Politico. Urgent calls for Sorry, Labour calls for urgent investigation after a report of hacking while Truss was foreign secretary. Claims that former UK Prime Minister Liz Truss' mobile phone was hacked by foreign agents while she was serving as foreign secretary must be urgently investigated, the opposition Labour Party has said. Private messages exchanged between Truss's personal phone and foreign officials, including detailed discussions about arms shipments to Ukraine are thought to have been intercepted by foreign agents. The Mail on Sunday reported citing security services and that was by Charlie Cooper on October the 30th um, of this year obviously because she was only Prime Minister this year for a very brief time. Okie dokie then so that brings us to another end of Beyond the News this week. Thanks for listening.